When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello there. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 311 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing the principles of creating a mindful closet. Now, right off the bat, we are not talking about minimizing or decluttering our wardrobes today. We're not talking about creating a capsule wardrobe or filling our closets with flattering, and I'm doing air quotes, flattering items. Nope, nope, nope. On today's show, we're first getting to the root of the ways both the trend cycle and capitalism prey on our insecurities to sell more clothes. And then after we do that, after we dig all of that up, we're going to hopefully begin letting go of those fashion rules we've been conditioned to blindly follow. Today, I'm speaking with Daisy Gillespie. Daisy's a personal stylist who's on a mission to help women put their most authentic selves forward through their clothes. Daisy, so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. I know that a huge part of your work is helping women see that they've been told what they should wear because of societal messaging, because of the shape of their bodies. Tell me all about that. Yeah. I mean, I really started out with a much more of a focus on minimalism. We have that in common. And I really thought that The reason why women had too much in their closets or why they were buying too much, a lot of that kind of conditioning and just marketing and advertising, and it's definitely true. That's definitely there. But what I also saw was that when I went into women's closets, the thing that was really holding them back was that they had been told that they shouldn't accept where they are in their body, in their life at this point in time, that they should always be working to get back to some past version of their body. Like we're not allowed to relax and say like, this is where I am now and that's okay. We've been taught that bodies don't change and that we should hold on to those clothes because we will get back to that size and not to buy new clothes because again, we're going to get back to that size. So those were some of the messages that I really was surprised by and realized that we can be minimalist if we can accept where we are right now. Capitalism is all about buying, buying, buying new, buying more, buying as the seasons change, as fashion trends come and go. So I'm wondering though, how does that work? Our bodies are always changing. And so that too means that in order to properly dress ourselves, we need to buy more and more. How does all of that fit into a minimalist wardrobe? Sure. I think the thing is that we often panic 
and just go out saying, I need new clothes and I'm going to get whatever I can find that fits me and, and without being intentional about it. And that was my whole thought process behind naming my business Mindful Closet. Let's don't just get swayed by all the messages out there that this is new, you need this, this is the trend that you have to have this year. But let's think really about what your life is and what you need for your life. And then let's buy only what you need. And so I think we can do that still, even acknowledging that bodies will change, that we don't need as much as we think we need. And if we can be intentional about what we're actually doing in our daily life, then we can buy exactly what we need as opposed to the trends or the things that are shiny and new, but we won't actually use. Yes. And exactly what we want. And that speaks to our authentic self, right? I mean, historically, brands, marketers, advertisers, influencers, they have sold us a narrative of what women should wear in order to be, let's say, flattering. Mm -hmm. Can you speak more about that? Because a lot of times, again, I'm not all that fashionable. But in my experience, I've found that what is flattering is very rarely comfortable and very rarely what I actually want to wear. Yeah, that's such a hugely important point. I mean, for much of human history, like women have been conditioned to believe that we should be showing up in a certain way that pleases other people, right? That we should show up in a way that our proportions are shaped in this ideal way that, to be quite honest, some men in the 15th century decided was the ideal proportion for beauty. And you're right, since most women's bodies don't actually conform to those proportions necessarily naturally, there are all kinds of tools that women have used over the years to to try and achieve that. And none of that has taken into account the women's comfort, right? It's all been about how we can show up in this external way. And so we're placing what other people think over our own comfort, which is something that a lot of people are starting to question. Making sure that what you're wearing is something that you are drawn to. It's something that is comfortable for you. And it's like you said, practical for your lifestyle is really important. And a lot of that means tuning out a lot of that noise of what's out there at the moment. And a lot of fashion advice goes towards these kind of blanket statements. Oh, these are the things you need to have without taking into account like individual person's lives or needs. Hmm. I was at a wedding a couple of weeks ago and the man I was sitting next to was talking about how uncomfortable his tie was and how his shoes pinched his feet and how his suit just didn't feel great. And he was saying he hates how men have to conform to these rigid fashion rules. And so to be fair, those of us listening who identify as men, they also do feel the pull to conform to (laughs) fashion rules, especially at formal occasions, just like women. But I'm wondering, you know, are you saying I should wear my beloved yoga pants to my next formal function? <laughs> um, I think it's interesting to break down societal norms, right? To think about, for instance, the man in the suit with the pinching shoes. I think it's really interesting to think about, again, where those customs came from. You know, a lot of menswear comes from 
British aristocracy a few hundred years ago. And those things have just filtered down in a certain way. And you're right, even for men, we want to think about like, where did those things come from? What did they mean originally? What they originally meant was like, this is a way to distinguish classes. And this is a way to look at clearly and see who had more education and more money. I think and I hope that we're getting to a place in our society where we don't assume things about people so much from what they're wearing. So maybe no, it still wouldn't be appropriate. We're always going to have to live in the real world. So maybe it wouldn't be appropriate to wear yoga pants to a wedding. But is it appropriate to say, I'm not going to wear Spanx because I don't need to look like I've lost weight for this occasion, or maybe you wear flats instead of heels. And I do think some people, especially marginalized people, have to conform to more of those standards because they will get really judged if they don't. But I think we can all start to shift the boundaries a little bit, especially those of us with privilege. And then that makes it a little easier for everyone to show up the way they want to. This is an intentional living show. And so a big focus of the show and something that I think my listeners are also working to implement in their own lives is the intentionality part. So instead of doing the things we've always done simply because we've always seen them done that way, or instead of wearing the same clothes, the same types of clothes, because that's what we're assumed to do. It's about stripping away the layers and getting to the why behind it. And so that brings me to the trend cycle. It is always changing, isn't it? So yesterday I was looking for shoes. My platform loafers from 1997, I should have held on to them because they probably cost me $15 in 1997. They're back in the almost exact same shoe and now they're $160. Let's talk about the trend cycle and how it preys on women's insecurities. One thing that we've been conditioned to think is that we have to measure up to some standard of fashionable. And I love even through this conversation, you've said a couple of times, I'm not fashionable. Like it sounds like you're intentionally not opting out, but you're saying that's not a priority for me. That's not one of my highest values. And I think unfortunately, as women, we are pressured into feeling like we're keeping up in some way that we are aware of what the trends are, that we know what's fashionable. And somehow that's just by being born female, that is part of what we need to use our mind energy to think about. And I think that's just absolutely not true. And I think everyone gets to choose. Someone like me, I do love clothes. I do love fashion. I'm still intentional about what I buy, but I love keeping track of it. I love consuming the information that's out there. And it's fun for me. But I think what happens is unfortunately, there are people who that's not fun for them, and they actually don't care too much, but they feel the pressure to keep up. And so again, that is where like something I see a lot with my clients is that moms who are at home, and they're crawling around with their kids, and they're being super active. There's some layer of guilt about oh, but I just wear leggings every day, or oh, I just wear my exercise clothes every day. And again, just to question that, like, where did the idea come from that that was a bad thing? You know, like we've been given this idea that, oh, no, if you're making an effort, you need to be dressing up every day, or again, wearing certain clothes or certain trends. And I just think it's helpful to reconsider all of those things and say, like, no, actually, this is what works for me for my season of life and for my life as it's set up. And 
I can see these trends passing by and I can acknowledge them and I can say, that's not for me without that pressure to opt in. Fast fashion is called fast fashion for a reason. It literally means they're coming out with new styles weekly. And the whole point of getting you to believe you need to keep up is so that they can continue to sell the new stuff week after week. Making us constant consumers, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to just parse out the fact that for anybody listening who loves fashion, I say more power to you. There's nothing wrong with loving fashion and wearing what you want to wear. I think that's what we're getting to. Everybody should be able to wear whatever they want to wear. And I shouldn't feel guilty for wearing my yoga pants every single day. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, it just, it comes down to like individual needs and that intentionality. This is how I'm setting my life up. And this is what works best for me. And again, seeing, like you said, some other people may choose to be more interested in those things. And maybe that is you. And that's great, too. Again, that's kind of me. But again, really just being able to opt out of this. And honestly, I've been caught up in it myself. I got on TikTok this summer, created a TikTok account, and I could not believe the amount of pressure I felt in the first couple of weeks of being on TikTok. Oh my God, I'm behind. I don't have all the latest things and I need to study all these things and figure out what I need to add to my wardrobe. And thank God, after a couple of weeks, I woke up and was like, wait a minute. No, this is again, this is exactly this like trend cycle that is causing me to think that I need new stuff. And let me ground myself again in the idea of my own personal style and my own lifestyle and my own needs and remind myself that I have what I need. And when I need something, I'll add something intentionally. I want to talk to you about the trend cycle and how influencers fit into that and how they, I should change the wording there, how they profit from that. We're going to get there in a second, but I just want to backtrack a little bit and talk to you about what you alluded to earlier, which was guilt. When you were speaking about the mom and the yoga pants and not dressing up and feeling the guilt, that was me to the T. I want to look good. I want to look my best, I should say. And when I don't, I feel guilty. So what do you say to women who have that interesting <laughs> experience? It's so hard to like you've been using the phrase to parse out what is truly about you feeling your best and what is about how you show up for other people in a way. And so if you were feeling bad because you felt like you weren't measuring up to what other people expect of you, I think that's some guilt that we can let go of. Again, to ground yourself again in this idea of I'm doing what works for me and this is what works for my life. There's such a fine line between the stuff that you're doing for yourself and then the stuff that you're doing to make yourself feel good in your skin. We're going to talk more about that. And we're specifically going to talk about influencer culture. We're going to get there, Daisy, after a quick word from this week's sponsor. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection 
They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we are back with Daisy Gillespie. She is the owner of Mindful Closet, a personal styling service to help all of us shop and dress with intention. Daisy, before the break, I alluded to the fact that I wanted to talk about influencer culture and how many of us, yourself, myself included, can get caught up in drinking the influencer Kool-Aid. Why should we, in your opinion, not buy what all those influencers who are getting paid an awful lot of money to promote? Why should we not buy what they're promoting? Man, so many reasons. I don't even know where to start. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The first thing that comes to mind is that I can't trust someone who is knowingly wearing something once to promote it and then not wearing it again. I really just can't trust that they know how the garment works for them, that they know the quality of it or any of those kind of things. The second big thing is that even if like maybe someone is a more thoughtful influencer and maybe they've actually used the product and used the item and it does work well for them, there's no guarantee and there's no way to know that that works for you. We've gotten so far into this idea of people recommending items and it's impossible for anyone else to know what our needs are. Unfortunately, a lot of people do take that recommendation as a rule or like something that's fact. And then the problem is that they might try the item and if it doesn't work for them, they're going to reflect badly on themselves, not on the fact that this is an item that is not going to work for everyone, but it's been promoted as the perfect solution for all your problems. You would not buy an item because an influencer says you should for the same reasons that you would not buy an item because you saw a really convincing ad. An influencer in those cases is getting paid. So they are a 
employee almost, an at-will single-time employee to promote the item. And so the influencer is only going to talk about the great aspects of it, (laughs) just like an ad would, right? You're not hearing, an influencer is not your friend as much as the influencer is creating this persona of being your new best bud. The influencer is more in those cases, the best bud of the brand who's paying them. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I do think it is really important to remember that influencers and Instagram and TikTok these days are taking the place of what our fashion magazines did a generation ago. And to remember exactly that, that they are doing advertising for a company. The company's goal is to make sales. The company doesn't care whether the item works for you or not. And Again, when we're not empowered to make our own decisions on those things, we can get lost and we can really do damage to both our kind of financial situation and also thinking about from an environmental standpoint, what we're doing. It's not our friend recommending something to us that worked for them in a measured and unbiased way. It's more advertising. Yes. So I want to move on. Daisy, and I want to talk to you about the sacrificing of comfort and even in a lot of cases, self-esteem that we women have been essentially trained to do. So we put we put our exterior, we put our persona as higher on our list of priorities. Not all of us, not me, but many of us have been trained to do that, to put our exterior above is more important than our comfort. And in some cases, also our self-esteem. And in terms of comfort, I'm thinking of stilettos, right? Stilettos look good on a lot of people, myself included. They make my legs look longer. They make my legs look skinnier. However, they are really darn uncomfortable. And for anybody who thinks stilettos are comfortable, first of all, you need to reach out because we need to talk, but they're not comfortable. I'm not walking a block in those things. So where did this idea come from? And how can we start to break that pattern of thinking? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from the patriarchy and this idea of the male gaze, right? That everything that women do or are conditioned to do is to please the male gaze, to look pleasant to someone else. I think it's really interesting to try and break down all of those things and where they came from. And like you said, like the high heels is a perfect example. Why would someone wear high heels that are uncomfortable to elongate their leg? Because somewhere someone decided that taller is better. There is an ideal standard of beauty. And for most of us, at least in the United States and Europe, it's this ideal of like blonde hair, blue eyed, tall, thin, ideal proportions. And the problem is that we don't all fit into that. In fact, a very small percentage of the population fits into that 1% or something like that. And so we've all been taught that if we don't fall into that 1%, we've got to do everything we can to try and get as close as we can to that ideal standard of beauty. And what that does, I mean, you can look at historical feminist writers to see what their thoughts are about this, but some people go as far as to say that is intentional so that we spend our time and energy thinking about those things that really are meaningless as a way of keeping us 
away from changing the things that would really make all of our lives better. So it's a really interesting thing to think about. And I think we can break down a lot of those things and try and remember that those were just decided by someone at some point in history. They're not what is naturally occurring for many of us. And it's not something that you have to conform to in order to be loved or worthy or desired. And it's just Again, remembering like, where did that idea come from? And can I decide that I'm going to choose to think differently? Hmm. I'd love to get into your best tips and thoughts, the practical portion of our conversation. Many women, myself included, have an awful lot of overwhelm when we need to fill a hole in our closets. Shopping is stressful. It's not fun for very many of us. How can we, next time we do need to buy something new, because let's be real, that happens to most, if not all of us, we need to buy new things once in a while. How can we reduce overwhelm when we're shopping? And how can we also at the same time, so lots of things we need to talk about, Daisy, but how can we also reject these patriarchal messages that are so deeply embedded in our capitalist culture? Yeah. Yeah. A lot to answer there too. I think as far as being intentional with what you need, a shopping list is the most important thing. Just as a practical tip, a shopping list is the most important thing that you can create and have on hand and keep a running list of. And what that helps with is that when you look in your wardrobe or you look in your closet and you feel a need, like an actual need that's coming from inside you of saying, oh, I need a long sleeve t-shirt to wear under this sweater so that the sweater doesn't itch my skin or whatever the need might be. When you have a need arise, you put it on a list. That way, you know that the things that you are shopping for are things that you've already intentionally decided are a need for you. Again, it's not coming from an external place. It's not coming from marketing or advertising or influencing. So really knowing what those holes are in your wardrobe, then adding them to a list. And then the thing is that you have to be very specific about what it is you're looking for, because the more specific you can be, the more you can drill down and narrow down the options. Because the reason why shopping is overwhelming is because there are so many choices, right? Mm -hmm. And so as much as we can reduce the decision-making process, the more we can narrow down on one specific item, we can reduce a little bit of that overwhelm. So if you need a long sleeve layer to go underneath something, think more about that. What fabric do you want it to be? What neckline do you want it to be? Do you want it to be three quarter sleeve? Do you want it to be full sleeve? How do you want it to fit to your body? There's lots and lots of different aspects of clothing that you can be thoughtful about. And the more you know about what you want, the easier you can rule out all the options that don't fit within that. As far as remembering some of those patriarchal messages while we're shopping, this comes into play when we're trying things on and when we really are feeling like my body doesn't measure up because this garment isn't fitting properly or it's not fitting the way I think it should. And just remembering again that clothing is produced. It's really mass produced. It's really produced for an average of all the women in the world. And unfortunately, none of us are that average. We are the individual ones that go into making that average. And so really the problem there is that we feel again, this pressure to be some perfect standard of body shape or size. And so if we can remember in that moment that it's not my body that's wrong, this clothing is made for a cookie cutter version of a human. I can continue to shop until I find the thing that fits my body. 
those are ways that you can remember that again, this is this is not something that you have to conform to. It's just a message we've been given. I love that. I love all of those tips. I think at the fundamental level, at the foundation, what you're saying is slow down the process. So scrolling through your favorite social media site and seeing an ad or seeing an influencer rave about this new fashionable on-trend item and clicking purchase, that is not step one. Step one would be slowing down and again, getting in touch with your why, not the why of the patriarchy, not the why of our capitalist society, but your why. Yeah. You said that so much better than I <laughs> than I could, than I was trying to. But yeah, I love that. And I always talk a lot about trying to insert a pause into the shopping process. So Again, that process can be so quick and so fast. And before we know it, all of a sudden we have been influenced and we have purchased something. And I think the more you can insert any type of pause between the act of seeing something and then the act of buying it, the more intentional we'll all be with our choices for our wardrobe. And there are lots, lots of ways you can do that. You can take a screen cap of the item so that you don't forget it. You can pin it to Pinterest and make a board that's called a wish list. Any way that you can pause yourself from clicking by now is a way that will help you be more intentional because once we have a little time to reflect, we often look back at that image or we look back at that Pinterest board and say, actually, I have no need for that. That was not something, and if we, again, have the time to compare it to our intentional shopping list, say, wow, okay, that item actually is not on my list. It's not something that I've already determined that I need. And now that I've had a little time to think about it, I can make the decision to step away (laughs) and move on without being tempted into that purchase. Yeah. As you're talking about the pause, first of all, I love the pause. I try and use the pause in many different aspects of my life, but the pause when it comes to shopping The pause is either going to come, hopefully, at the beginning, before you do it, or it's going to come after. So if you pause at the beginning and you put some space between you and the clicking of the buy now, that would be a more advantageous choice than putting the pause at the end where you're looking at this item. It's been hanging in your closet for, I don't know, six months, a year, two years. You've never worn it. Maybe you've worn it once. Maybe it just doesn't make you feel your best. That pause is going to happen either at the beginning or the end. So we all have the power to put that pause at the beginning. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to put it. That thoughtfulness and that mindfulness, that thinking of whether the item works for you is, like you said, it's going to happen one way or the other. And if you put it before buying the item, you're just going to have a lot less hassle. You're going to have less returns, less to minimize later on. I think that is a really great way of putting it. You're going to have more money. You're going <laughs> to save some planetary resources. So let's all put that pause at the beginning. Daisy, tell my listeners where they can find you online and how you help women like me. You can find me online at mindfulcloset.com and I'm on Instagram and TikTok at mindfulcloset. I work with women one-on-one over the course of eight weeks to help them define their personal style, figure out what their needs are, edit their closet, do some mindful shopping and all of those things that are hopefully tools that people can use for the rest of their life whenever they do need to add things again. Well, I'm going to contact you offline because I definitely need your services. But Daisy, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You have given me 
truly a lot to think about. And I just love that there's somebody like you doing what you do. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. I really enjoyed it. Listeners, that's a wrap. Show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 311. I've linked to Daisy. I've linked to all the things in this week's show notes, mamaminimalist.com forward slash 311. Now here's your very quick monthly reminder. If you like this show, if it adds value to your life, if the content speaks to you, please go ahead and rate it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or if you don't listen on either of those places, perhaps you tell a friend or even better, tell two friends. It is really hard for the little guys or the little gals, I should say, aka the independent podcasters like me to carve out a place amongst the podcasting giants. (laughs) It's a real David and Goliath situation over here. But we're doing it here at Sustainable Minimalist, and it's all thanks to you. So rate, review, tell a friend, tell all your friends. Thank you so much. I will see you Thursday and take care.